finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right. Thank you, Denver. And congrats on your uh, yeah, congrats on your graduation and soon to be off to college. Hello, everybody. This is the uh, George Wilder Jr. Show. We are live, but we will be podcasting, recorded after the show. So, you know, uh, there's always something here to do, folks. Even if I'm not on the air live, you can always podcast and record the show and even and even grab a link to the show. And put it on your website, um, your blog, or, or or your YouTube channel, uh, and let others enjoy the show just just as you are enjoying the show. And you, this is the George Wilder Jr. I'm a little nervous. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is a great day in the city of Chicago weather-wise. I'm always saying something about the weather because that's important. I mean, we want to feel feel as if uh, we've gotten it all together. It's sunshiny. It's a little bit cool because we're near the lake here, and uh, but it's a little cool. It's further inland, uh, further west, further south. It's a, it's a lot warmer, but you know on the north side of on the north side of the city of Chicago, uh, there's always that breeze coming off the lake, which makes it a little bit cooler. And I want to thank you for uh, tuning into the George Wilder Jr. Show, and we. Our guest today is author Andrea. That's all she calls herself is Andrea. I mean, when she sent me an email and I responded, it was just Andrea. I'm pretty sure it's more than Andrea, but she's going to be alluding to or talking about something of sex and justice. I thought that was interesting. I thought that would be an interesting topic, so I booked her. I booked her for the show. Uh, and I have to say, I want to thank my guests throughout the week because they're they all have been great guests, and it's been wonderful. We've had a lot of fun on the air, <laughs> and hopefully we can continue to have a lot of fun on the air. I mean, this show was fun when I first started doing it because the guests were telling me, George, I've had so much fun. Thank you, I had fun. I didn't know I was going to have so much fun coming on your show. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a um, it's a fun time on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks, everybody. We're just tuning in. City of, it, I hope it's great where you are. I I hope it's wonderful and and <laughs> just and you're having such a great time on the George Wilder Jr. Show. So we're gonna take a musical musical break and we will be right back. Stay with me, everybody. Stay with me.
then next week, uh, we're going to be traveling to, hopefully, to to um, Truman to maybe get you registered and get your ID and all this stuff. All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. It is 614 straight up. Let's see what's going on in the world, folks. It's a lot of mess going on in the world. And um, I hope people out here remember to vote blue. Yeah, this Donald Trump is talking about pardoning himself. I mean, when I first heard of that, I'm saying, uh, <laughs> obviously, when he's talking about pardoning himself, I think I spoke about this yesterday, but this is such a vital, vital topic. And it's such, it's, it is so ridiculous that I had to mention it again on the show. He's talking about pardoning himself in the Russia collusion and obstruction of justice investigations that are going on against him uh, with the uh, special counsel, Robert Mueller, who is looking into the 2016 uh, election meddling, which there was, because if there was an election meddling, we would not have this imbecile in the White House. I mean, totally, totally imbecile. Uh, there are a lot of other words or adjectives I would like to use to describe Donald Trump, and I will. <laughs> I will totally use them. This guy, and it's all over the news. It's, it's everywhere. I mean, it's on cable news. I, you know, the people are still talking about Donald Trump, uh, saying that he he is allowed to pardon himself. Why would anybody, especially the president of the United States, why would anybody talk about pardoning themselves as president of the United States. You're admitting to a fucking crime, you idiot. You're admitting that you are going to be indicted. You're admitting that you're going to maybe be subpoenaed and maybe even handcuffed and going to jail. You're admitting it. But Donald Trump said, well, yeah, I could pardon myself and I will pardon myself, but I will not pardon myself. Because I haven't committed a crime. If you haven't committed a crime, then why in the hell are you talking about pardoning yourself? Donald Trump is as guilty. <laughs> He's as guilty as James Earl Ray of uh, assassinating um, Martin Luther King. This man is so guilty. And he is still allowed to... Uh, even some of the Republicans are saying that this is not going to happen if he should try to impeach himself. If he should try to pardon himself, he will be he, he will be impeached. I mean, this is crazy. He's trying to get himself exonerated. He thinks he thinks he and his goons in the White House, these people think they are so above the law. They're trying to find every loophole that they can in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights. Uh, in in the American law, uh, where they can scoot around and scoot out of uh, going to jail. Why would anybody say, "Well, I, I'm gonna pardon myself"? Why would anybody say that unless they know they're guilty? And no president in the history of the United States has ever pardoned themselves from crimes. And there's been a lot of thuggish Republicans. Uh, uh, president uh, throughout the history of the United States, vice president, Andrew Jackson. Wow, I, I believe Nixon talked about or, or tried to 
pardon himself before he decided to resign. I think this is what Donald Trump should do. He should resign. He's not fit to be president. He doesn't, he's not presidential material. He's thuggish material. He's gangbanging material. He should be out on the street somewhere selling watches. He's a con man. He's a buffoonish. He, he's a liar. I mean, he's, the guy has told over 3,000 documented lies since being president. I mean, if you want to uh, tack on some more lies uh, to that, you have to go back to Donald Trump's younger days when he wasn't in, in, in office. And the only thing that propelled Donald Trump to the presidency was that birth lie about Barack Obama not being born in the United States. That propelled him to run for president. He ran for president on a lie a lie he created, a lie he uh, um, a lie he punched into the American psyche and people believed it, at least some people believed it, at least the stupid people believed it. Donald Trump says a lot of things just to try to get us, the American people, not to think about or not to talk about or not to chat about uh, the Russia investigation. If he's good at anything, if Donald Trump is good at anything at all, he's good at taking our minds off the current scandal and putting it on the next scandal. He don't want you thinking about the Russia investigation. He doesn't want Americans or the press to harp on uh, the Russia investigation, the scandals, the lies, the bullshit. That's why he keeps coming up with something else to take your mind off that. But Donald Trump is stupid because the reason why I say he's dumb and stupid is because he's really not taking our eyes off of all the scandals and the bullshit that is swirling around him, only piling up. It's piling up to the top. And we cannot take it anymore. The Republicans in Congress, they don't like what Donald Trump is doing. They are critical of Donald Trump, but yet they do nothing. Talking is not going to get it. We need some action. Well, they don't like that he's going to try and pardon himself. People are saying he shouldn't pardon himself. But they do nothing. Congress holds all the cards in getting rid of this piece of shit in the White House. They hold all the cards. But they do nothing. They complain about him. They don't like him. They know he will throw them under the bus, whether they cooperate with him or not, whether they give their loyalty to him or not. He's going to throw them under the bus because this is what he is. And if Donald Trump is listening, if anybody out there knows Donald Trump, let him know this. He does not own the White House. The White House is the people's house. Donald Trump does not own the White House. We know that he's using the White House like it's one of his properties. He's making money hand over fist using the White House. The Republicans know this because... 
some of that money is being uh, handed down to them to keep their mouths shut, to keep them from impeaching him, to let him have his way. Donald Trump is not your friend. And now Donald Trump, is he has been partnering a lot of people. He's partnering a lot of people, and he's giving a lot of people clemency. He's letting criminals back out onto the street. And the Republicans are even pissed off about that. People who have been convicted, tried, and proven of committing the crimes that they were sent to prison for only for Donald Trump to pardon them, to get them out. Even some of the people who he, who he has pardoned have said, yeah, I'm guilty of it. I did it. But And still Donald Trump puts them back out on the streets. A lot of criminals are just laughing their asses off because this is just totally ridiculous. Putting criminals who are proven felons, proven to have committed these crimes that they've been sent to jail for, and Donald Trump pardons them. He gives them clemency. The crooks are back out on the street. And basically, that is what he is saying to uh the people who are talking to Robert Mueller. Basically, Donald Trump is saying, hey, wow, don't be afraid. If you have to lie for me, lie for me. If you have to go to jail, go to jail for perjury, for lying for me. And in a few years or a few months, I will get you out. I will pardon you. You will be scot-free. This is what he's, he's sending a message to, uh, to the people, to his people, that are talking to Robert Mueller, who could possibly uh, uh, say it was Trump. <laughs> uh, they could possibly involve Trump, tell him what, tell him everything that they know about Trump and that he's actually had could, uh, colluded with Russia. He actually has obstructed justice and broken laws. Uh, there is uh, evidence of money laundering, lying. It, uh, he's sending a message to the folks who are being interviewed, his people, by Robert Mueller in in the Russia investigation. And and, and as I said, telling them is uh, don't say anything, lie if you have to. If you get caught lying on the under oath and you have to go to jail, just don't throw me under the bus. I will pardon you. That's the problem. Trump doesn't want anybody to throw him under the bus. After he done threw them under the bus, there is nobody in government that Trump will not throw under the bus, even after they lie for him, even after they go to jail for him, even after they uh, uh, are loyal to him, he still will go, he still will uh, throw them under the bus. I don't see why anybody in government, any Republican, would trust Donald Trump. The man is insane. He should be in an, in a, he should be in some kind of asylum for crazy people. There is something mentally wrong with this guy. There is nothing about it. Uh, there's what I'm trying to say. There should be no doubt about it. There is something wrong with this jackass 
we have in the White House. Mentally unstable, mentally unfit, unhinged, a clown, a liar. And the only reason why he's there is because of the Russian. The Russians put Russians put his ass there, gerrymandering, and the Electoral College. The American people did not vote for this fool. And he knows it. That's why he's pissed off at us. That's why he still has this war against the American people. Trump, Trump once said that the, uh, um, the media and the press are the enemies of the, excuse me, the media and the press are the enemies of the American people. Donald Trump is the enemy of the American people. He's the enemy. He's the Russian spy. You know what? I can say all of these things about Donald Trump on, on, on the air, but you know what? There's people out here who are saying things that a lot is a lot worse than what I'm saying. And furthermore, Donald Trump doesn't give a damn what you call him. He doesn't give a damn. He knows <laughs> practically half of the world doesn't like him. He knows it. He knows there's millions of people out here calling him a piece of shit. He knows it. He knows people are calling him dumb, stupid, and ignorant. He knows it. He doesn't care. He's a narcissist. He has no feelings. He has no sympathy. He has no empathy. So you can call Donald Trump all the pieces of shit that you want. He probably takes that as a positive. What is the positive? Positive? The positive is that you are mentioning his name, whether it's in the negative or, uh, or it's positive or, you know, whatever it is. The fact is you're talking about him. That's it. I mean, I, I don't even watch the news no more. I don't even turn on my television anymore because Donald Trump is not welcome in my home. He is not welcome in the living room. He is not welcome in any room of the house. He is not welcome in my home. And a lot of people are saying the same thing. You, you get sick of seeing this guy's face because, you know, and you don't want to hear anything that comes out of his mouth because it is a what? A lie. You don't want to read his tweets anymore. I don't read his tweets. I mean, he's go crazy on he goes crazy on Twitter with his tweets. I don't want to read them damn lies. I don't even read. I don't even talk about his tweets anymore. If I, if I go online and I go to a media site and they've, they've got all these tweets of Donald Trump, I just scroll right past them. I don't want to read them lies, those untruths, that bullshit, misspelled, grammar, incorrect, you name it. Parentheses all over the place, question marks, explanation points all over the place, misplaced modifiers. For, the, for a president of the United States, you would think better. I mean, would you want your child to grow up and be like this jackass in the White House? No, you would not. That was a time when the presidency was a place. Uh, being president was, and the White House were, was something that you looked up to. Man, you look down to you. You look down on it now. I mean, you really look down on it, the White House now, because it is a mess. Donald Trump thinks he owns the White House. 
I, I bet you that fucker wants to put his name up on up on the marquee in front of the White House, Donald Trump's house, instead of the White House, as if he built it. Remember that time it was reported that Donald Trump called the White House a dump? He called it a dump. All right, George Wilder Jr. on the <laughs> on his show ranting about Donald Trump and we really do have to take this country back, folks. It 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 is imperative that we do that because uh I think we can change um the direction of this country if we vote back. However, I'm hearing that California had a really, really uh nice night in the in the election category. And uh it it they're saying that it's more ammunition proving that the Democrats will take the House, uh the House of Representatives and maybe, maybe the Senate uh in the in the uh midterms that are coming up in a few months. Mr. Trump, it's Dixon White here sending a video letter directly to you, sir. And the only reason I call you sir is because the office that you hold is supposed to be a respectable office. But so I just want to speak directly to you, Mr. Trump. I know you may never get this video. Maybe you will, though, because at least I have white skin like you. But first, I wanted to applaud you for one thing, and only one thing. Um, many racists in politics are very covert. So I applaud you for being an open racist, and I applaud you for at least letting us see just how racist you are. And it's now it's it's well established worldwide that you are a bona fide white supremacist. Um, there's not a nation that hasn't condemned you as a racist. So you have dishonored and disgraced one of the, the highest office offices in the land. But I wanted to say one thing. You made a comment yesterday about shithole countries, poor, black, brown countries. All right, welcome back to the uh, George Wilder Jr. Show. I see we have a visitor. Let's see what. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hi, George. This is Andrea Hall. Hi, Andrea Hall. Uh, we were expecting you. I, I for a minute I thought you weren't going to show up, but you're here. So, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, your bio, and give us a little bit. Uh, you're going to be talking. I think it says sex and justice. Um, that is actually um, one of my books. I have two other books okay. that uh, are coming out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, give us a little bit of your bio and um, and then start you know, talking about your book. Sure. So um, I have been a, a high-powered criminal defense attorney for the last 13 years, specializing in sex offenses and domestic violence, hence why I wrote the book, uh, Sex and Justice. I had too many clients getting involved in the system, trying to handle a sex offense on their own and just not being able to maneuver through the system and ending up taking pleas that cause them to um, not have contact with their children and do normal everyday activities like going to the grocery store or going to church and things of that nature. And after 13 years of being a 
criminal defense attorney, I was actually diagnosed with a brain tumor, and I decided that it was time for me to leave the criminal justice system behind, and I started a long soul-searching process and went back to my love of horses and worked on... Oh, wow. I love horses, too. Yeah, and worked on how I I combine my love for horses as well as my personal coaching experience that I had had for numerous years and still continuing to help people. So I got certified as an equine gestalt coach and gestalt is a German word that means wholeness. And so what I do in the coaching process is we heal the unfinished business um, that is going on in the past as we're all traumatized in some way, shape, or form, no matter if it's, you know, something that came from childhood or, you know, a relationship or a teacher that told you you were stupid or not good at math. And so as a result of that, I got certified as an equine gestalt coach. And now I do personal and emotional work with lawyers and couples who um, are wanting to either work on their relationship we're ultimately deciding if divorce is the answer to their relationship and hence why I got involved in these two new books. And the first book is Living Your Joy, who's written, um, or the book that's been written by Joyce Graham. It's coming out in July and I wrote a story in there called For the Love of Horses. And I also (laughs) wrote uh, an anthology in Touched by a Horse Equine uh, Coaching Stories that's coming out in September. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is a a question on on what you want to talk about, but I got to ask you this question anyway. Do you ride? Do you ride? Do you ride horses? Do Do I personally ride? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I never rode one. I don't think. I think when I was small, I probably rode a horse with my father. But I, I, I think that's where I fell in love with horses. And uh, I have photographs yeah. of horses all around my studio. So uh, I'm yeah. a big horse lover. There's not too many African Americans yeah. who like horses like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would seem weird to some of them. <laughs> When people are around them, they just have this calming effect for the most part. And I've worked with numerous people who are scared of them. And actually, once they get around them and can calm themselves down, they realize how much they have to offer them and how loving and clairsentient uh, and a lie detector they really are. Because horses are attracted to energy. Um, and so anything that comes out of your mouth is energy and they're either attracted to that or repelled by that. And when you're speaking your truth, they're attracted to that. And so it's amazing when I have clients in the round pen who are, you know, doing whatever work it is and they're like, oh yeah, my relationship is great. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, you're lying because if you (laughs) were really in a great relationship, that horse would be joined up with you right now. So clearly what's coming out of yeah. your mouth is not your truth. <laughs> they they have probably a sixth sense or something uh, to the truth, maybe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's wonderful. Well, so anyway, connected. I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, why do you think women stay in relationships that are not good for them, that are not healthy? 
I'm pretty sure you've tackled that. Well, I think part of it comes down to a self-esteem issue, uh, maybe from a past relationship. Am I worthy of something better? Uh, is this a relationship that they saw in their past? You know, is that who their mother was attracted to? Typically, women are attracted to their fathers. So if their father was an alcoholic or somebody that abused, women are typically attracted to that. Um, and it's a lot of healing that unfinished business from the past so that they don't repeat that pattern and showing yeah, them the... that they deserve better and that they're worthy of something better and that they don't have to repeat the past of whatever it was that their mom you know, went through. Uh, and in some cases, they go the exact extreme, right? Like, okay, my dad was an alcoholic, and so I'm never going to marry somebody who's an alcoholic, and they go to the other extreme. Uh, however, for the most part, women are typically attracted because that's what they know, right? Um, and vice versa for men, too. They're attracted to their mother. They end up marrying their mother. Um, so, you know, it's... Yeah, so it's a matter of healing the past. And what I tell clients is, like, if you're going to get divorced, that's fine. I don't have a dog in the fight whether you stay together or you separate. However, we have to heal what's going on here because if not, you're going to be in another lawyer's office or another therapist's office doing the same thing because yeah. you're going to attract somebody that is taller, skinnier, shorter, fatter, blonder, you know, redhead, whatever, but they're going to have the same behavior. So one of the first things I like to do with, you know, clients, or individuals that are wanting to do couples work is really sit down and look at their genealogy and say, okay, let me talk about what your mom and dad did and how many kids did they have and what was the relationship like with the children and tell me about your grandparents. How many times were they married? Were they ever divorced? Did they have children out of wedlock? And then they can see on paper what each other's family really looks like and they really have this like aha because they see it on paper and go oh my god for three generations the women in my family married alcoholics or abusers or oh my god we went to jail in my family or we've had yeah so it's in the genes it just it's a family tree it's in the genes yes yes and they can then see it because it's physically there in front of their face and they go wow, I really see now why I was attracted to him or her and went, this is okay. And the other thing is, is really getting them to see that the person that's sitting across from them may chronologically be 25, 35, 75. However, the person that they're dealing with is a traumatized 9-year-old, 10-year-old, or 12-year-old who was hurt when their parents got divorced or their dad beat them or their mom left or their father died, depending on where they were in the age, you know, from zero to five, the only person you have to depend on is your parents. They teach you everything. And it's not until you start school and start seeing the outside world that you start gathering information from other people. So the first five years, if your parents get divorced, the only people that you know for stability and understanding and learning are your mom and dad. And when that is cut off, it's like you've lost your right arm, right? And as a child, you take that in and go, oh my God, what could I have done different? How did I create this? And there was more than likely nothing that that child did. However, that's a story that that child made up and will carry for the rest of their life, maybe unbeknownst to either of the parents. 
And so that's a trauma that they take into their adult life and deal with in all of their relationships, whether it's an intimate relationship or it's a relationship at work or whatever that might be. And that's the other big thing, like I said, is getting that other person, that partner, to understand that we're all broken. No matter if we came from a Leave it to Beaver family or not, we are all broken. Somebody, a boyfriend, a teacher, somebody has caused and left a mark on your soul. There's, There's just no way around it, you know. I had a teacher that told me I wasn't good at math, and still to this day at 45, I, I struggle with math. I The minute math comes up, I'm like, oh, not good at that. Give it to somebody else. That's one of the reasons I went to law school and not med school is because I was like, I know I'm not going to have to do math as a lawyer. <laughs> if I go to med school, <laughs> I'm going to have to do math, and I'm not good at math, you know? Um, or a boyfriend that, you know, told you you were fat and ugly and never going to get anybody better than him. And so... You know, it's all of those things that you take in and start carrying with you, and it's not necessarily yours, yet it's little pieces of trauma that have happened that have developed and made you who you are today, good, bad, right, or wrong, yet it is who you are, and does a piece or a part of that need to be healed so that you can move on? Yeah, yeah. I I see it almost every day, and you're saying that you're also into domestic violence, which is which is which is a part of what which is a part about what you've been talking about. I see it all the time. I see young girls walking up and down the street with guys who beat them, who with guys who verbally abused them, and you know I, I can tell that they want to break away. But uh, there are so many of these young girls out here in these type of relationships, even called sex trafficking or. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. being owned by a pimp or something. And a lot of them want to get out of the situation that they're in, but they're so afraid. They're afraid. I even met some and I tried to persuade them to get out of the situation. They said, no, 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 I can't. He'll hurt me. Uh, it's none of your business. you know. And I always try to tell young women to speak up, tell somebody, let somebody know what you're doing. A brother, uh, a friend, you know, uh, if you're trying to get out of this situation, because if you don't get out of it, your life is going to be ruined. Um, you know, uh, especially problem, when some of them have. The um, uh, go ahead. Uh, especially when some of them have so so much ahead of them, bright futures, and then they meet up with the wrong type of person, and it's all downhill. So the problem is, is that what I have experienced is the pain that they're in is constant, right? So I know every day that he's going to come home, he's going to have a couple beers and he's going to smack me around. Or if I do this, he's going to get set off. So that's a guarantee. However, if I jump ship and go over here, this is so unknown. And the fear of the unknown is greater than the constant of the pain that they're dealing with. And until they can get over the fear of the unknown, they will stay because that's a guarantee. Hmm. Well, it's 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 bad any way you look at it. It's bad, and no, I understand it. And some absolutely. some people stay because they're afraid. Uh, yeah, fear, afraid, um, afraid of the guy or the, the woman. You know, and, uh, you know, people instill fear into other people and people are afraid. You know, I mean, there are some women who will go 
there are some women who are lucky enough to get rid of their abusers or the police will lock, lock him up. But yet the woman, uh, knowing that her abuser is in jail and she can't get to him, so she'll go out looking for another abuser. And that's because that's the safety and security, right? Because that is what she knows. That's what she's attracted to. And so no matter what kind of book cover you put on it, it might look good on the outside, yet energetically she is going to continue to be attracted to that until she heals what's underneath. So again, it may stem from, you know, a boyfriend telling her she was never going to be good enough or that she was never going to find anybody better than them. So that's all she thinks she's worthy and deserving of. She may have watched her mother do it and her mother not be able to leave or her mother attempted to leave and she got beaten. And so it was like, okay, if I leave, then it's going to be worse than if I just stay. He's only going to smack me once tonight versus if I attempt to leave, I'm going to get beaten and I'm going to have a broken arm or a black eye or whatever that might be. So I'm going to stay. And of course, like I said, they don't wake up one day and just smack you. It's a slow deterioration of the self-esteem that's behind that before you get there. So the first, it may be the yelling, the screaming, the, you know, grabbing and the shaking, um, you know, the smacking once and then, oh, can I get away with that? Because the abuser typically doesn't start off pounding the crap out of the girl or whatever. It's a slow demise, you know, getting you away from the people that you love and trust the most, you know, cutting you off from yeah. contact from the outside world, taking your cell phone away, taking the car keys away, not giving you a bank account, not allowing you to have a job, keeping you pregnant, um, controlling the checkbook. I mean, what all of those things are ways to keep you submissive. And so until they say enough is enough, and like I said, it typically comes to being that the fear of leaving is not as great as the fear of staying until they can get to that place. And like I said, you know, work on, I am worthy of something better than this. And that's very difficult when you have somebody who's constantly browbeating you every day saying, you know, you're fat, you're ugly, you're never going to get anybody better than you who's going to want you with three kids, you know, you're overweight, you know, whatever, right? Um, they continually do that. At some point in time, she starts to believe it or he starts to believe it and goes, yeah, okay, that's all I am. And again, nine times out of 10, they have come from a background that has allowed them to be in that place. Most people who are in abusive relationships didn't, didn't typically come from a great family where there was an abuse. Again, girls and guys are typically attracted to the opposite sex of what they had at home and a representation of who that um, other significant other would be, whether it be the mother or the father. All right, Andrea Hall on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, books. Um, uh, let's talk about your first one. I mean, your, your, your okay. current one, your most current one. Hmm? Okay. The sex injustice, or the two uh, that are that's what up. I have on my screen, huh? You can talk the about them both. Sex injustice that I okay. Um, so sex injustice was written, uh, like I said, it's a nuts and bolts of what 
people who are accused of a sex offense need to know. Um, as a criminal defense lawyer, like I said, people would come into my office before and sometimes after the fact of taking a deal and then not realizing that they were never going to have contact with their children again, even though the sex offense case that they pled to had nothing to do with their children. Um, or that they were ever going to be able to grocery shop uh, during normal business hours or go to church or have a curfew or, you know, any of those things, be able to go fishing because they might run into somebody under the age of 18. And so I basically wrote the book from the beginning of when they might be accused, when the, the police first call them all the way through to the end of the appellate uh, process, where if they, you know, went to trial and lost what an appeal would look like and what they needed to do and things of that nature, just so that people really understood because, you know, here in Colorado, and it may be different in other states, I mean, they changed yeah. the law about five years ago up to the point where you could be standing outside on a golf course or, um, you know, outside behind a bar and urinating, you know, as intoxicated people do or men on the golf course do and be considered a sex offender because you're charged with indecent exposure. Um, you know, smacking some girl on the butt at the bar or, you know, grabbing somebody inappropriately. Those are all things that could potentially get you to re register as a sex offense. And now with the technology that we're dealing with. Sometimes with kiddos, just even looking can get you even registered as a sex, sex offender. Yeah, and I don't know about every state. Obviously, I'm only speaking yeah. for Colorado. However, you know, mm -hmm. we have kiddos that have these smartphones that are, you know, on Snapchat and thinking, hey, I'll just send you a picture of my penis or a picture of my vagina, and they think they're being cute. And then, you know, oh, it just disappeared after I got the picture. Well, you're still in possession of child pornography. I don't care if she's your yeah. girlfriend or somebody that you are just hanging out with. And then, you know, if it's in text message, then you're really in possession of child pornography. And then when they get mad at each other when they're not dating after a week and they send it to somebody else, now they've just distributed child pornography. And, I mean, we're having kiddos that are looking at registering as a sex offender for the rest of their life. Like their Yeah, I've heard something about that. Yeah. And so you have kiddos doing things that they think are funny and cute and don't know what the ramifications are. Now, Colorado has just amended the statute so that um, if children are doing that, that the punishment is not as severe because clearly that wasn't the legislature's intent. Yet again, we had to deal with the ramifications of what were there for several years before the law got changed because, like I said, you know, these kiddos that are taking pictures of themselves or other people's genitalia and thinking it's funny and cute is really not funny and cute when you're now 16-year-old kid is registering as a sex offender and is going to lose his college scholarship or probably never have a life as a result of being a registered sex offender. And you now have to tell anybody, everybody in the neighborhood and he's not allowed to live at your house because you have a child that is 10 years old and he's not allowed to have contact with anyone that's got more than a four-year age difference. And so now you're trying to find an out-of-home placement for your 16-year-old son and you have no family here and he's in the foster care system or 
at a juvenile sex offender facility. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so yeah. I wrote the book so that people could really understand what goes on because most people have no clue of what the ramifications yeah. are or how speaking to a cop could affect them or you know, they just yeah. think that when a cop calls you that they have to do everything that the cop says. And it's like, yeah, no, yeah. that's not. And then they're like, well, they didn't read me my rights. I'm like, okay, well, let me explain how that works. You know, you went to the police station voluntarily and they told you you could leave at any point in time. Well, I didn't think I could leave, even though they said that. And the door was open. I said, I understand that. However, what the court's going to do is the court is going to say, you weren't coerced. You could have left. The door was open yet you've never been in trouble. I mean, I was raised that the cops were your friends. You didn't lie. They were there to uphold justice. Well, you see what goes on on TV nowadays. That's not the case. I mean, there's more cops that are shady now than there ever was before. I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, when you got pulled over or they busted a party, they took your beer that you worked a week for to get and poured it out or drove you home and called your parents. Yeah. Now they're writing you a ticket. Well, you've just laid out potentially. I said you just laid out a lot of reasons for people to go out and get your book. I'm telling you, you really did. And I want to say to everybody listening to the show, go out and get this book because it seems like there's a lot that can be devoured from what are you what you were writing about. So I want to ask you, how is the book doing so far? It's okay. I mean, um, most of it just goes to my clients. Um, uh -huh. It's not hit the number one bestseller or anything like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> keep your fingers crossed, huh? That's right. Andrea, you're in and out. You're 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 in and out on a speakerphone or? I was on the speakerphone, but. I I just always sensed there was like a little bit of a delay. I didn't realize I was in and out. There there probably now? is a delay, but uh, I can tell that you're you're in and out. So uh, once the show is over and it's and you know you once you go back and you try to listen to yourself on the show, you may be in and out or you may be uh, low. You're, you'll be high and yours will be very very low because you're you're in and out. Uh, but uh, oh. we have to figure that out, you know. So okay, uh, that's well, why I, I went back said, to the regular phone versus the speaker. Now you you louder now. You louder. <laughs> that's good. Okay. That's very good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you're fading. You were fading in and out um, uh, on the speakerphone. But have, you know. All right, Andrea Hall on the George Wilder Jr. Justice. Is that the uh, full title? Uh, the book is called Sex and Justice, and then, like I said, the two that uh -huh. I have coming out this summer um, are Living Your Joy, Creating a Joy-Filled Life, and that is written by Joyce okay. Graham. I've submitted a story called For the Love of Horses in that book, and there's also a story okay. that is being published in Touch by a Horse Equine Coaching uh, Stories. So I'm pretty sure that your horse novels will be directed at uh, people in love with horses or just the, anybody can just go pick up a, this book? Um, yeah, anybody can pick them up. So the um, Living Your Joy is short stories by people 
in different topics. Okay. So my uh, okay short variety story of people called for the love of yeah. So my um, story in there was called for the love of horses, and Joyce is okay. the author of the book, and she okay. basically reached out to different authors and said, you know, write about what brings you joy. And so there's a musician in there, and there's uh, my story in there, and she has. And what brings you joy is horses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's what I wrote about in that book. And then in The Touch by a Horse, it's basically um, my experience, having a very moving experience with the horses, as well as sharing some of the moving experiences I've had with clients and my horses. Oh, wow. That sounds great. So if someone wanted to check you out and check out your books, how would they get in touch with you? Um, They can reach out to me um, either on Facebook or Uh at WithersWhisper.com. Both of the books will be sold um, on those, uh, or excuse me, on my website. And I Mm -hmm. will have the links um, to uh, the author's uh, websites as well once uh, the books are published. However, the Living Your Joy will be coming out in June, and the Touched by a Horse Equine Coaching Stories will be out uh, no later than September. However, they can contact me at Andrea at WithersWhisper.com or uh, my Facebook page or um, LinkedIn or at the website as well. And Sex and Justice is already out and published and available on, on Amazon. Um, it's at sexandjusticebook.com. Uh-huh. That's where they can order that, okay. or they can also contact me personally, um, and I can send them a, a copy as well. Okay. Uh, uh, what would you like to say that you haven't said already because we're just about running out of time? Uh, Basically that uh, horses are just healing in nature. I love what I do and that Uh no matter how perfect we think we are, we are all broken at some level and there is Mm -hmm. always unfinished business that needs to be healed. And the whisper of the horse echoes the spirit of the soul. All right, Andrea Hall on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thank you so much. I'm going to send you a link to the show. I'll probably look you up on Facebook and send you a link to this show so maybe you can grab it and put it somewhere and have people come by your website or your blog and listen to you on the show after it's Okay, over. great. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks, George. No problem. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, Andrea Hall on the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back. night so far this year. The biggest races are in California, where the polls will close just about an hour, one hour from now, and CNN will be watching it for the next four hours for you. The results there in California will have a huge impact on whether the Democrats could retake the House in the 2018 midterm. This is what I call Well, I want to say, I want to tell you, I want to say, when you can do what you want to do, and go where you want to go, 
sleep where you want to sleep And say what you want to say And let the children play while they want to play And work when you want to work Like when you want to play Depressing, yeah, very depressing. So you, know, you can make a comedy about it, and get it all out. You too. Yeah. Uh, was it exactly? The... Can you make fun of the effects of aging in in real life? Yeah, you can make fun of it. I mean, sometimes you have. Yeah, you can. Um... If President Trump today called you and said, you've been a thorn in my side, this is annoying to me, I have bigger business that I'd like to move on to, how much do you... ...not file lawsuits against employers for stealing their wages, and instead they have to go in front of a panel of corporate-friendly arbitrators that are always hand-picked by the corporation. This story's been kicking out there for a long time. I mean, this is, you've got... Um, You've got a labor policy that makes it virtually impossible for individuals to sue their employers. In other words, an employer literally steals money from them. They do it all kinds of ways. They make them work during break times. They don't pay them for overtime. They've got all kinds of scams. We, we've seen every iteration you can imagine from this. So the, no question that the Supreme Court knows that goes on because they've seen these cases. They've seen the facts straight up. They know the facts of McDonald's. They know the facts of, I mean, I could go on forever. These, in, these industries that uh, Walmart, uh, all, all of the companies that have these scams where they virtually steal money from employers. No sense, no difference than going into their locker and taking money right out of their locker. But we have a Supreme Court that says, well, gee whiz, we shouldn't be able to allow them to go in force in a class action mode and say, you know, you've stolen from us. We want our money back. What, what is your take on this case? What's interesting about this case is that it really does bring to light two important issues that people often gloss over. One is the wage theft issue, and the other is the forced arbitration, both yeah. of which are huge problems for consumers that honestly, until the Supreme Court case came out, I don't think I've heard anybody 
in the corporate media ever talk about this. We have talked about wage theft, you and I, for years now. And we know how it works. As you said, they don't pay them overtime. They make them work off the clock. They uh, uh, reclassify them is one of the big things they do. They'll say, well, you're actually, even though you work and you do the same job as somebody else, you're a manager, even though you have no authority. So therefore, you are not entitled to any overtime pay whatsoever. Just weird little tricks like that. Well, let's talk about why the networks, the corporate, net, MSNBC, for example, they got caught. I mean, they got caught. Yeah. They had people working for nothing. Oh, come work with Rachel Maddow and Joe Scarborough and we're gonna. We're not gonna pay you. Right. We're really not gonna benefit your career. But come work with us. And they had these kids working I mean, crazy hours for nothing. And so that would be an that would be an, an issue that they certainly wouldn't do a story on. And they certainly did no stories on that type of thing. <laughs> so there, there's that part of it. And as you point out, the arbitration, uh, this arbitration black hole yeah. that's developing across the board. Uh, you know, it, first of all, explain arbitration a little bit. I know you've written a couple stories on it. It is just nothing but a black hole for consumers. Right. What, what it means is, you know, whether it's with an employment contract or a cell phone or credit card, home loan, you agree to go, instead of being able to sue, you're giving away your constitutional rights, you have to go in front of this arbitrator who is the sole decider of this case, whatever that person says. And this arbitrator, in almost every instance when you sign the clause, is picked by the company. Yeah, over set, statistically, more than 70% of the time, the consumer is going to lose. Well, 90% now, the latest numbers are out, and it's 90. Yeah, well, when you just looked at across the board consumer issues, it was 70%, right. now it's moved to 90%. Yeah. It's going to get worse. But what, what ends up happening is they find these, uh, they find these trolls. They find these, uh, these characters that come out of industry that maybe worked for them in the past, or they go to universities and they get these these professors that are making $150,000 a year and they want to make $400,000 a year so they get on the arbitration train and it's nothing but a it's nothing but a food train for these bottom feeders. They truly are bottom feeders. If you take a look at most of their careers, their career is over. They they have no other options except to be an arbitrator. And so the industry ends up paying them a lot of money. And of course, they're going to rule for industry every time. So in this case, in this case, the 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 point is this: an individual cannot go toe to toe with a corporation by themselves in a case like wage theft. If they've only had twenty thousand dollars stolen from them, it's going to cost them two hundred thousand dollars to go to war. Right. So what was in place was class action, where you could have twenty of them get together, 30 of them, 100 of them get together, and I'll say, we're going to do this together. We're going to bring class action against you. That, that The economy of scale made sense then. It actually worked. And so the Supreme Court did the bidding of corporations again. The same, you know, the same folks that you'd imagine would make a decision like this. I mean, there's never any surprises. It's always, you can, you can take a look at, uh, look at who, who wrote the majority opinions on this. It's Roberts, it's uh, Anthony, it's uh, uh, Kennedy, it's, it's uh, Thomas, it's uh, Alito, Gorsuch. Gorsuch. Mm-hmm. There are no surprises here. They come from corporations. Kennedy, who cares if the guy retires or not? It, we have this notion that Kennedy is this great swing vote for liberals. That is ridiculous. Kennedy has been a nothing but a, a, a punk 
for industry since he's been on the court. And But he's nothing more than another one of those socially liberal, fiscally conservative yes. types. He's going to go with corporations all the time. But you know what? Let's, let's add a little point here because, uh, again, we, we've researched this to hell and back. There was one arbitrator from a story that we covered in California. She was hearing over 60 different cases per day. So on average, she spent about six minutes right. with each you know, right. uh, uh, employee trying to arbitrate. 94% of her rulings went back to the company. So you get six minutes, you have to hire a lawyer, you know, and if it's and if we're only talking about a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars stolen from you here, you're losing money on this even if you get your money back from the company. Yeah, here's what the industry understands. This is um, the the risk is zero. Right. If they steal if they steal fifty dollars, uh, you know, every day from a hundred employees, their risk is zero because the one employee that lost fifty dollars is not going to sue them because if they do, they're, they're going to go after that employee. They're going to lose their job. They're going to be isolated as, you know, as far as being able to move up in the company. But more importantly, that employee can't afford to do that. There's no way an attorney can even spend the time taking that to court for $50 lost in that hour. Even if it's 500 or 5,000, the numbers don't work. So here you've got, uh, the, the industry realizes this is a ticket to steal. We the US Supreme Court has now said to us this this punk majority that we have that are nothing but an extension of corporate America. They have now decided that yeah, we're going to give you that ticket. Go ahead and steal because the chances of you really having to face any problem are almost non-existent. Can't let 
no surprise that so many of us are utterly devastated by the election of Donald Trump. I have been very clear about my opposition to this president. And everyone knows what I believe. I believe he is one of the most dishonorable, deceitful, and despicable people ever to hold public office. Undermine the rule of law. He has isolated the United States allies. He has decimated our country's standing and leadership around the world. He has empowered and emboldened white nationalists, racist criminals, and con men just like himself. He flew to Puerto Rico after the island was ravaged by a hurricane, insulted San Juan's mayor, and proceeded to throw paper towels at our fellow Americans who are to this day still trying to recover from that storm. He endorsed a pedophile that ran for the United States Senate and defended wife beaters on his White House staff. This man lies on a daily basis and for all of the people and institutions he has insulted over the last two years, the only person he will not offend or criticize is Vladimir Putin. A brutal dictator who does not share our nation's interests around the world. Of course, none of this should surprise any of us because Donald Trump revealed and showed us who he is and what he was all about throughout his campaign. You may have heard that Donald Trump recently attacked me at the Grand Island Club dinner last week. And people are asking me, oh my goodness, what do you think about that? Well, I tell you what I think about it. I certainly expected him to do something like that. I don't know why it took him so long. Don't forget, this man who's disparaging me has been called stupid, ignorant, uninformed, unhinged, and a moron by his own staff and appointees. And so he had the nerve to attack me. I'm in this fight. I am not going to back down. And I believe that all of us deserve better than Donald Trump. I believe this country deserves better than Donald Trump. I wanted everyone to know that they had a right to be angry about the election of Trump, that this president is not normal, <laughs> but that all is not lost, because each of us has the power to set this country back on track. I feel very confident and hopeful about the future, because I know there are so many people here tonight and in cities and towns across the United States who are about to reclaim their time and reclaim this country. So, 
We are counting on all of you to show up during the 2018 midterms and vote for people who will restore this democracy and uphold everything that we have fought for to advance the LGBTQ equality. And ladies and gentlemen, again, I keep bringing up Mueller's name because I have so much faith in him. I like the work that he's doing. I think he's going to get him. And if, for some reason, he's not able to get him, I'm counting on Stormy to do it. Maxine Waters on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, as I was speaking earlier about Donald Trump uh, stating that he could pardon himself if he wanted to, but he's not going to do that because he has not committed a crime. Why would you say anything like that if you did not do anything? Donald Trump is totally guilty He's trying to keep his ass out of jail and pardoning himself would probably get him impeached a lot faster. Then after he's impeached, Mueller's coming after him to lock him up. Wow. It seems like we're having a change of heart from Speaker Paul Ryan. Yeah, he's, he's not siding with Trump on this, even though he's not going to do anything about Trump. He has the power to do, uh, to impeach Trump, but he's not going to do that. Uh, and this is what I've been saying a lot about a lot of the Republicans. They do not like Trump personally. They don't trust him. They can't stand him. But yet they will not do anything about him. They have the power to impeach him. They have the power, they have the power to curtail his powers, to limit his powers as president of the United States. They won't do any of that. And some people are not calling it the Republican Party anymore. They're calling it the party of Donald Trump. And that seems more accurate, the party of Donald Trump. That seems to be a little bit more accurate because they, they're not doing anything about it. And my, I don't understand how could uh, 200 something, 200, over 200 Republicans in the House of Representatives be afraid and scared to death of one man, one man who belongs in a nut in the nut house. They know he belongs in the nut house. How can you be afraid of one guy? America is afraid of Donald Trump because Donald Trump is dangerous. He has his he has his tiny hands on the nuclear button. He could blow us all up. And I don't understand the Republicans not doing something about it. I mean, they have kids. They have grandkids. They have nieces, nephews, cousins, and, and whatever. Do they want these people to be blown up by an unhinged president who, with thin skin, pissed off, calling name-calling? You don't want your kid to grow up to be like this monster. Get him out. I mean, if they impeach Donald Trump, they will be setting an example for other lawmakers, for other people running for that office, that you are not above the law. 
even some of the uh, Republicans are telling Donald Trump he is not above the law. Pardoning himself means he's above the law, and we know he's not above the law. But in his fucked up mind, he thinks he's above the law, and the rest of us are just peasants. Yeah, we're peasants. He's king. He's king shit, and we're peasants. He wants uh, he wants America to be called Trump America. It ain't gonna happen. He's just another guy. Uh, in the White House, and he will be out of the White House. He does not own the White House. Millions of people around uh, the United States are saying this, the same exact thing that I'm saying. Trump does not own the White House. He is not a dictator. He will never be a dictator. He wants to be a dictator. He wants to be like his 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 uh, protege. Adolf Hitler, remember, Adolf Hitler killed himself. We can only wish that for Donald Trump. He's not going to do that because he, I mean, he doesn't have any feelings. He doesn't have feelings for anyone, children, um, the elderly, seniors. He doesn't have people in general. He doesn't have any feelings for you. go out and get shot and they look at you and say, fuck him. He doesn't have feelings for anybody. And um, that's bad. He doesn't think he represents America. He thinks America represents him. And this country is so divided. I mean, it is so divided. I've never seen anything like it. White supremacists on one side, the racists on the other side, uh, Republicans are on that over there, and the Democrats, the liberals are on this side. It's so divided, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. A lot of these polls, I don't believe, you know, saying that Donald Trump, there's a 50-50 in uh, his policies. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Yes, Donald Trump does a lot of things he says a lot of things out of his ass only to try to get aroused in his base. He's saying things so he can keep his base intact, even though he doesn't give a damn about those people. Those people who are going to Donald Trump's rallies and listening to him real uh, throw out bullshit, these people uh, don't, do not realize Donald Trump would throw them, under, throw them under the bus and he will still expect their loyalty after throwing them under the bus, after firing them, after spitting on them, he still will uh, he still will expect them to be loyal. And a lot of those fools will. A lot of them idiots will be loyal to Donald Trump. And you have to realize one thing. A lot of those folks that are supporting Donald Trump, they're on government. They're on government programs. A lot of them are, uh, especially the elderly, they're collecting Social Security checks. And you know Donald Trump wants to get rid of Social Security, especially for the uh, disabled. He wants to throw all of that crap out. But you know why? You know why they're not doing anything right now, the Republicans, because it's too close to the midterm elections. They feel that they may have a chance to win something. 
But if they go after Social Security at this point, they go after food stamps at this point, they go after a lot of programs that people, uh, working people and poor people depend on, they will lose even more. And they know this. But if people don't vote in November, you don't vote, you don't get your ass out there and do your duty. Because I'm hearing that a lot of, in some of these states, on some of these uh, primary nights and election nights, people are not showing up at the polls, at least not like they're supposed to in these uh, uh, small elections. The small elections mean a hell of a lot. People, And I don't think the Democratic Party is doing enough to get people out to vote. They're resting on their laurels that, that it's going to be a blue wave. Well, it's not going to be a blue wave if you don't you don't get your folks out there to the polls because people are lazy, people are stupid, people are uninterested, people have religions, uh, they're in religions, they're telling them that not to vote. They have all kinds of reasons for not voting, but they reap the benefits of the folks who do vote if their candidate wins. So it doesn't really make any sense. Everybody should vote. Everybody, vote blue. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how to vote, all right? Vote blue. We should never, ever let another Republican be elected to any office. But that's far-fetched. That probably will never happen. But at least the Democrats can take control of something. There's, there's going to be Republicans around uh, for a long time, you know, even after the uh, blue wave comes up comes in November. Uh, There's going to be a lot of Republicans still around, but they will not be in power. They'll just be sitting there collecting a check. They will not be able to do anything because the Democrats by 2020 will hopefully control the House, the Senate, and the Oval Office. One of the things I do know about the Democrats, they're weak-needed. And Nancy Pelosi, uh, she keeps saying that uh, she will not impeach Donald Trump. And some Democrats are on board with that. And I've said several times, she needs, she needs to go. She needs to get the hell out. Not because uh, of anything else. I am not her enemy. I, I, I thought maybe she did a good job. I'll thank her for her services. I am not her enemy, but I look at how old she is. She's 78, 79 years old. And I'm not sexist. She can be replaced by another woman. I don't care. As long as that woman is a lot younger, as long as that woman has uh, fresh ideas, new ways of doing things, things, how and how to get people out to the polls, how to keep Democrats energetic and get them all out to the polls, not a few, and try to talk to these knuckleheads who are given reasons for not voting. I always say, if you don't want to vote and you live in America, you need to leave America. Get out of get out of the country. You don't want to vote. Your religion shouldn't be uh, uh, keeping you from voting because it's because it's all bullshit. In the first place, it's all garbage. Give me a break. All of these. Uh, atrocities that's going on around the world, children dying, uh, people getting shot, killed, earthquakes, volcano 
volcano eruptions. And this stuff has been going on since the beginning of time. And you're going to tell me your God is a good God. Your God do not want you to vote. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We are off the air, folks. I'm going to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank my guest, Andrea Hall. She's, she she really has some good information there. I'm going to check it out myself because, I, I as I've said, I, I've learned things every day also, just like you do. Um, thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We are always passionate on this show. We always try to get the information out in a musical way. Um I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Have a great evening. Have a great day, great weekend. Uh, Whichever one comes first, folks, have a great time. Bye-bye. Make sure you join me tomorrow on the George Wilder Jr. Show, Block Talk Radio, Internet Radio, all around the world. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone Heaven help the roses if the bombs begin to fall Heaven help the black man if he struggles one more day Heaven help the white man if he turns back away
great evening, a great, a great day, a great weekend, whichever one comes first. Bye-bye, everybody. Join me tomorrow.